From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. It's 2020, and surfing the web is dead. All the horror news you need is now just one click away. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fango team's favorite links from across the internet. You'll also find deep dives and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria Vault. Check out Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Use promo code POSTMORTEM for 15% off right now. I'm Mick Garrison. It's time once again for the fun size Postmortem AMA where you can ask me anything. Well, really, you ask Joe, and Joe asks me. <laughs> so producer Joe is here with the questions, and hopefully I can dig up some answers. I try to find the best ones. That's, uh, that's my goal. The greatest uh, hits. Yes. <laughs> All right. Fleek Geek asks, <laughs> what's your favorite cameo you've ever done, Mick? Oh. There's a lot of them. <laughs> there are a lot of them, but, uh, you know, my favorite one, I was in two scenes in a John Landis movie called The Stupids. Oh, yeah. But the best scene was cut out. I was Christopher Lee's henchman. Wow. And I was in a scene with Christopher Lee. Wow. So my remaining scene is in the newsroom uh, in that movie. Uh, and, you know, in The Quick and the Dead, there's a really fun scene in there, too. But there's no dialogue or yeah. anything. But I hang Gary Sinise, and I'm Gene Hackman's <laughs> henchman. But but probably that sharing a scene with Christopher Lee was the biggest uh, thrill that's as far special. as being an actor in quotes yeah, goes. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I have my SAG card, but I wouldn't call myself an actor by <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. Gary would like to hear the story of your grandmother meeting Bonnie and Clyde. This is <laughs> this is news to me. Uh, can you can you elaborate and fill us in on this? Well, back in the twenties, mm. my grandmother worked in a speakeasy in St. Louis mm -hmm. that was owned by, I think it might have been one of her husbands. She had seven. No, she had eight husbands. <laughs> so she wow. was a very progressive grandmother back yes. then. Um, but. Bonnie and Clyde came through St. Louis, 
And so she never really got to know them, but she met them when they came into the speakeasy. They were real folk heroes back yeah, then yeah. because it was really Dust Bowl time. The Depression hit really hard, and they were seen as heroes stealing from the rich. Right. Uh, you know, the banks who everybody felt was ripping them off. And so they were real folk heroes, and my grandmother met them at her speakeasy, and it was, it was quite a story. That is quite a story. Yeah. Huh. Wow. That's you you the Garris clan seems to be always in the right place at the right time <laughs> well, for the <laughs> somehow. It, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely You've watched some some very exciting history unfold. The Zelig uh, syndrome. <laughs> the Zelig's. Yeah. All right. Uh Evan Maine writes, Is there still hope for monster movies in today's horror climate? Sure, why not? That's what I think too. There's tons of them. You yeah. know, I just saw Underwater recently, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know there are monster movies every other week. It seems one, like one won an Oscar. Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Shape of Water. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. Who, who wouldn't be inspired to make more monster movies after that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think there's always hope. Yeah, and somebody's always going to bring a new spin into it, like Guillermo did. Mm-hmm. And, Mm-hmm. So uh, everybody wants to see creatures. I think so. I think so. More practical ones, though, maybe. Maybe that's, yes, maybe that's that, what That thinks. would be nice. But, but, you know, whatever tool works best. You know, CGI imagery has gotten so good mm-hmm. that you can have monsters that feel that's weird. That's true. I mean... They yeah. have weight. They have yeah. density. They yeah. have texture, you know? I mean, Gollum is is just as memorable a character in Lord of the Rings as anybody yeah. else in it. So, yep. Uh, all right, T D E Perro asks: Are TV horror hosts relevant in today's horror culture, or are they mostly nostalgia acts? Well, were they ever really relevant? I mean, <laughs> they're important to kids primarily, but yeah, of course, they mostly serve nostalgia. Sure. You don't turn on your local. Uh, Channel 6 at 11.30 on Friday night and see a horror host. Right. It's on cable. Uh, You know, Joe Bob is great, but he's not a guy who's wearing makeup and a cape. Sure, sure. Welcome to the scary show. Sven Gulli's on MeTV. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So um, it's definitely nostalgic. People who didn't grow up with it don't really know what the experience was. But every city had its horror host. I do wonder if... Joe Bob will kind of usher in some kind of comeback for it though, because it's very popular and, and very think... popular on Shutter. It's it's great, and I love Joe Bob, and his show is fantastic. Yeah. And he's also so knowledgeable about the genre. Right. He's like a historian yeah. with a sense of humor. But you know, as a, a matter of general course, none of your local channels are hiring new horror hosts. Yeah. I mean, I was a horror host for a while, but. Not right. in makeup. It was more like the Joe Bob thing. I sure. would do interviews with filmmakers before they ran the movies on the, on the Z, Z channel, channel. back yeah. in 1980. The, the granddaddy of postmortem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so I don't think they're necessarily relevant to the horror society these right. days, but well, they're beneficial. I think Joe Bob is our grandmaster. Yeah, I think I think Joe Bob actually helped kind of put Shudder on the map in a way. Definitely. And I think, well, they fed each other. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, you know, 
his 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 co-host Diana Prince. Yes, you know Darcy the male girl who's also a, she, a a friend and fan. Yeah, she she's done such a good job of cultivating the social media around the show that like really? when you go on Twitter when they're running live, I mean. That's all you see in the horror community is people talking about watching Joe Bob live and interacting with her and Joe Bob through their social media. And it's a, yeah. It becomes a really interactive experience, which I think kind of takes that horror host thing to a, a new level, yeah, a new generation. Yeah, something that couldn't be done in its heyday. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll often watch the Joe Bob segments and not necessarily the movies. Yeah. Because it's yeah. always the best part. I agree. I agree. I and mean, he, he, he has just fascinating factoids. So... Uh, Conrad Steves asks, do you feel that directing behind the scenes documentaries helped open doors for you as a writer and director? Well, it did for me personally because it showed me how to put together pieces of film and form a narrative. So it definitely was something that helped my skill set and improve that. And yes, working for Steven Spielberg, doing the making ofs that I did on on the Goonies and on uh, Gremlins, uh, he got to know me a little better that way. Um, and yeah, you, the weren't, you weren't completely new to him when yeah, yeah. He got so your script. you know, he knew me from doing publicity on on ET and on Poltergeist. But mm-hmm. then when I was doing the making ofs and the like, there was more to who I was. I wasn't a PR guy fan, yeah, yeah. Uh, but somebody who was pretty serious about it and knowledgeable about it. And, and yeah, you do meet interesting people that you end up working with later. You know, I did making ofs with, uh, on David Cronenberg movies, on yeah. John Carpenter movies, on Joe Dante movies. Yep. And, but I think the greatest value of doing those was learning how to assemble what Peter Bogdanovich called pieces of time into a narrative line. Mm, expound on that. <laughs> well, pieces of time. Peter Bogdanovich described movies as pieces of time because mm. each shot is a piece of time and then you put them together in a jigsaw puzzle yeah. and you've created a full narrative. But it's all made up of captured pieces of time on yeah. celluloid mm. in his day. It's a really interesting way to think about that. Yeah, John Landis was the first one to bring it to my attention Yeah, who executive produced the first thing I ever directed. That's right. So... Uh, so I it always stuck with me. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. And and I have to say, like people who always say like, oh, how do I break in? How do I break in? I think get in any way you can. Meet yeah. people because if you meet someone and you like them, like Stephen met you and liked you, when you gave him something that was good, a script that was good, he hired you. I mean, yeah, people, exactly. People, people want to find talent, and people. everybody has a different entry door. Yeah, you know, it's whether it's through scripts, uh, whether it's through photography or short films or making ofs or or books or yep. however, every single person I know in the business came into it from a different direction. Yeah, yeah, but but everyone wants to find that person, so get in there and yeah. have good material. And if you have good material, rah rah, rah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's true. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Nathan Seabright writes. How important is the director's role in casting? And do you have actors in mind when you read or write a script? Okay, that's two parts yes, that deserve is. different two, answers. Yes, they do. Um, in everything I've worked on, the director's role in casting is really important with the possible exception of being a director for hire on a series. Everybody's already there. 
there are way more votes than your own if you're directing an episode of someone else's series. Right. But as far as the feature films and, and the things where I have been a producer as well or a director, in fact, that's a one-shot, a miniseries or, or a movie of the week or a feature film or episodes of my own series, then the director is the most important voice. The casting director will bring interesting people that I'm not familiar with in to see me or on video or whatever to show me. And that's exciting, but the director is the guy who's got the vision of what the movie and the role is in in his head, his or her head. Um, As far as writing with actors in mind, never. I never do it. Um, It's almost like cursing your project to do that because you're guaranteed not to get them. Mm -hmm. Um, They're either not available, they're too expensive, they're not interested in this Mm -hmm. part. Um, It's not the kind of movie they want to make. So you... I never think about... I I write the character, I don't write the actor. Because an actor... You're gonna. I never thought Stephen Weber. I never sure. thought of him in a million years no, to didn't play watch Jack Wings. Torrance. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch Wings. And if I had, I would have thought even less sure, about him being. Sure. There. And yet, I can't imagine a better actor uh, taking that role and and doing what he did with it. It was fantastic. And that was somebody brought to me by Lynn Kressel, the casting director. But it was a decision that even though there was Warner Brothers and ABC involved, mm-hmm. mine was the loudest voice. Sure, but sure. But it was easy to convince them. Do you ever feel that when you get uh, casting lists or, or you're asked to put together a list of cast ideas, do you, I, I find that to be kind of an arbitrary process. It's completely arbitrary. And and anybody you put on there is almost not almost never going to be yeah. the actor you end up I, with. I, I just think it's such a it's such a, a weird thing. Well, uh, a lot of times <laughs> they want to know what's in your mind. Right. And they put ridiculous choices that, you know, the most expensive actor out there in right. Hollywood yeah. or in the world, uh, you know, a bunch of names just so the executives can feel like, oh yeah, we can get this and this and this. Right, right, right. Never happens that way. I just find it so funny. Like when when I got a list for a project a month or so ago, I, I looked at it. and I was like, yeah, any, any of these people would be fine. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I'd be happy I'll to take any one, all of them, and you won't get any of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, there are the, way too many, uh, too many possibilities to not get them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny because I initially I'll get excited when I see the names and I'm like, yeah. and then you start thinking about the realities. And, uh, I think, I think casting is, is it, is it an incredible process? You know, we, we just had, uh, I don't know when this will air relative to Osgood, but Oz was on talking about that too. And, yeah. uh, thinking about how the, the actor emerges through the process, the, yeah. the choice emerges. Yeah. Um, it, you know, he was talking about not having, anything in mind for the character and see what the actor gives in the reading. And that's a fascinating way to do it. Obviously, if you're the writer-director, you have something in mind, but there's nothing more thrilling than being surprised in a casting session where somebody brings something more or different 
to it that's better than what you had in mind. Yeah, I had to find all of all of my cast for my movie through casting. It was all through tapes because I wasn't even here to do the auditions. Yeah, uh, which was a scary proposition. Yeah, when but... you're in pre-production and you haven't cast anybody and you're on location, yeah, that's a sprint. That was a sprint. Yes, it was. I was I was location scouting all day and storyboarding and then going home and watching tapes. It was, <laughs> you know, but but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's. I remember tapes. How quaint. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, well, so yes, the, the long and short is the director is very involved in, in casting. Yes, uh, <laughs> and I don't think of actors when I'm writing. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Mick, for another great episode. Well, thank you, Joe. And you can always uh, send your questions to at Joe Russo Tweets and Joe Russo Graham uh, on Instagram and to Mick Garris PM on Instagram and at Mick Garris PM on Twitter as well. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would let the world know about it by reviewing and rating it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have comments or questions for our Ask Mick Anything shows, send them to producer Joe at Joe Russo Tweets or to at Mick Garris PM on Instagram or Twitter or the Postmortem with Mick Garris Facebook page. This is a brand new address, so don't forget it. That's at Mick Garris PM on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to see my vintage and recent video interviews, making of documentaries, and audiobooks of some of my short stories, go to my website, MickGarrisInterviews.com. Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>